Oh shit. Here we go again. What's up, ballers? Welcome in here Tuesday after the U.S. Open. Big, big past weekend. We got a lot to talk about. We are going to use the full 40, 45 minutes just to talk about the U.S. Open this week. Uh, before we jump into things, though, introduce all my guest stars. So we got Dougie is here. Who else we got on the line with us today? What up, everybody? It's Jake. And Vince is back. Happy Mr. Hot back. Dog. Sorry, yeah, hot sorry dog I missed King. an episode. Um, happy to be back. Lots to talk about. Let's get into it. Hell yeah. So huge weekend this past weekend. I'm sure everybody that's in the golf world knows the U.S. Open occurred. Uh, our boy Gary Woodland Creature brought it home, his first major championship. Uh, but before we get into a little U.S. Open talk, let's uh, let's talk about uh, our past weekend. Uh, Vince, you uh, you came back uh, from a long trip. You played today. How, how did that go? Went well today. Shot an 80. Um, God, the driver was dreadful the first five holes, but then I, I remembered how to swing it. Um, part every par five again on the lakes out of Wildcat. Um, didn't really have many opportunities to score. Just went up and down. Um, putted really well. Can't I? I can be happy after not playing for three weeks to say that I putt really well. So, a solid, solid. There you go, uh, Jakey, our resident uh, tour pro on the on the podcast. You've been you've been lighting it up, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm transcending. I don't really know what's <laughs> happening right now, honestly. Um, yeah, I played, played this weekend, continued my sub-80 uh, streak that I had going, and then I got out of work early today, last day of, uh, last day of school for teachers. So I, I immediately got in the, in the car, drove over to the course, completely empty because it was looking like rain, and went out and just fired another 76, which for me, it's, that's six straight rounds, I think. Yeah, six straight sub 80 rounds and honest to god i could not be hitting the ball better if i could chip a little bit as soon as i miss a green i pretty much make a bogey but i'm only missing like four greens uh around right now which is just crazy so it's been awesome really really um i just want to keep playing i want to play like every day right now so are you gonna play like 90 rounds this summer like you did last summer well with the with for, for the listeners, I just bought my first house. It's crazy. Not really ready for what that's all going to be. Um, so I don't know if I'll play the, the as many as I played last year. I probably won't. But, I mean, I'm going to try to play, you know, three times a week minimum. Hey, you'll, be, cool. you'll be 25 minutes closer to the course. That That's true. That is true. Right I might now. be able to still sneak it in. Um, well, I know, I know that I've got a couple weeks coming up before we actually get in the house where I'll be living with my in-laws, so I will be living practically at the course. Yeah. That And you got the Scalici Open coming up here. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to tease that. I was going to tease that. <laughs> Vince will be in town pretty soon. So, uh, Is that yeah. the first Scalici Open of 2019? Or is this no, second? I, I was in Houston. Vin, Vin oh, that's right. My ass. Yeah. That's right. So time to get redemption now at the home course. Yeah, I've been tuning up. It's like U.S. Open prep, you know what I mean? <laughs> Going out there. I love it. Love 36 it. whole days getting ready. Sweet. So you got something? Go ahead, Vinny. No, I was going to say, Jake's going to grow up the grass that is in his backyard in the new place and, <laughs> and practice in USGA conditions. Yeah, I love it. Yep. So uh, I played this past weekend as well. I uh, 
played out at Wildcat on the lakes uh, with a couple buddies on Saturday morning early. Uh, course conditions are phenomenal right now. Greens are in great shape. Um, I shot a very measly 79. I think I maybe hit uh, three fairways the entire day. I made three birdies. Two of them were chip-ins. Uh, so I guess somewhat lucky. Um, I thought I was trending in the right direction. I'm no longer trending in that direction. I'm going the wrong way. Uh, I do not know what's going on. I'm trying to swing too hard. I'm trying to fuck with too many swing thoughts and things are not good. Um, and then I actually played last week, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, in Dallas. I was up there for a charity tournament, uh, for one of the oil and gas associations, uh, my company is associated with. And we played at the old Byron Nelson course at the four seasons, uh, Las Galinas and, uh, was actually a pretty cool layout. Um, I think 16 of the 18 holes were all dogleg rights. Um, really small, small greens. Um, uh, but it sets up for me. I had a little bit of a fade off the, off the tee. So. Uh, I think we shot nine under as a team scramble. Uh, it was actually interesting format. So instead of doing a handicap, they they did. So if you make birdie, you start on the women's tees and you make birdie, you move back. And then if you make oh. bogey, you move forward. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit interesting. I think we made uh, birdie on two of the first three holes. So we were you know, playing from the gold tees for a little bit. And then we played from the tips and then we made a bogey and we moved forward. It was kind of interesting. but uh, That's a cool format. I've never yeah. even heard of that, but I dig that. I, I didn't. Even, I had never heard of it either. But it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, one of my um, Instagram crushes was there, Taylor Cusack, who played golf at Oklahoma, and her boyfriend is like part of the association. So got to meet her. So uh, got to be a little bit of a, a fangirl for a little bit, which was was fun. I met her on the putting green before the round. Uh, so all in all, a, a great week, and uh, looking forward to getting into some U.S. Open talk here. But before we do that, I've had. Uh, something on my mind for the last uh, couple weeks a uh, golfer who kind of came back out of the shadows uh, was at the top of his game for a long time. And I, and I wanted to throw something out for you guys. So uh, Martin Keimer has come kind of come back, come back to life the last couple weeks. And uh, I was just thinking, uh, you know, back when he was, you know, number one player in the world back in 2011, kind of at the height of his game is Martin Keimer a hall of famer. And before you guys give me your opinion, I'm going to get, throw out a couple stats here for you. So he's got three PGA Tour wins, 12 international victories, and then one additional victory, which was on the Asian Tour, I believe. He was the number one player in the world in 2011 for eight weeks. He won, uh, he's won two majors, uh, the 2010 PGA Championship, uh, which he won over Bubba Watson in three-hole playoff. Uh, he's won a uh, World Golf Championship. He's won the... 2014 Players Championship, and then also a month later won the 2014 U.S. Open by eight strokes. Is Martin Keimer a Hall of Famer? It's here, Jake. Okay. Is Martin Keimer a Hall of Famer? All right. So the golf – I'll start with this. The Golf Hall of Fame to me doesn't really do the Hall of Fame thing right you have a lot of guys that get in that I think it's a little shaky. They get in on like how well liked they are and sort of what their merits are within the game. And sometimes you get guys that get in while they're still playing, which I don't like at all. So right. first, that, first of all, I think it's a little fugazi anyway. I think if, if you're looking stats wise, he's he'll probably be a Hall of Famer. But at the same time, yeah. So that's my answer. Yeah, I think stats wise, he's a Hall of Famer. But I think guys get in the Hall of Fame with less 
because they're seen as a better like ambassador or whatever of the game or like um, more entertaining in some way. But like Fred Couples is a Hall of Famer. He's got one major. Um, he, he was number one in the world, but that was also when the world rankings were just beginning. So the points right. were sort of weird. Um, so on the on the Jake Hall of Fame scale, would you put him in? No way. Okay. Vinny? <laughs> I mean, I don't know enough about his game or he or his career. Uh, based on stats, he's got a win in in so many different environments, tours, majors, players, standard PGA events. I, I think that there's a saying that he can perform in under USGA rules, PGA conditions, etc. So, I mean, is he well-rounded? According to his stats, yes. Am I happy to see him playing? Well, yes, but I don't. I can't say if he's a Hall of Famer. I think there's other things that would contribute. Like, would you put him in the Vince Hall of Fame? I'm gonna say no as well. Okay. Well, let let me throw this out there, right? So Martin Keimer and a couple of other guys are in this sort of like we won majors during Tiger's, you know, downtime or injury or whatever, right. and. So, listen, you read off Martin Keimer's wins. They're very impressive, right? He's got, like, a long list of wins, and he's got two majors, one of which he straight up won. Like, you cannot deny what he did at Pinehurst. It was ridiculous. Um, And then at straights, you know, there's the DJ controversy. There's Bubba being an idiot and and trying to – I don't even know what he was trying to do in in that uh, playoff there. Um, So, like, just as a comparison piece – is someone like Patrick Patrick Harrington a Hall of Famer? He's got one. Well, he's already in the Hall of Fame, right? See, that's what I'm saying. I, I agree is is dumb, and I don't agree with Patrick being in because he won what two majors when the same thing while Tiger was out. He kind of he did the whole Houston Rockets basketball thing where Jordan retired, the Rockets won two championships, and Jordan came back, and the Rockets were non-existent again. So it's I I, I would agree. I think I, I just. I like the, to throw something out there to, to change your mind up. And for all of our listeners, Vince and Jake had no idea question. what the question was going to be. So um, keep them on their toes a little bit. I, I would probably put Keimer in the Hall of Fame based off stats. But uh, in my own Hall of Fame, I agree it's not. But I'm, I'm a little bit more strict on that. Anyways, uh, something to chew on. So this week was one of the big weeks in the PGA Tour. We had the U.S. Open uh, out at Pebble Beach, which is – We've talked about it before. One of the most beautiful settings in in all of golf. Um, it was contested uh, over a four day stretch, obviously, uh, and that's one of the best fields in golf. Um, and actually, a, pr- a really strong amateur field as well. So, oh yeah. Uh, um, so top ten, and of course, if nobody was paying attention, uh, Gary Woodland won the tournament, thirteen under. Brooks Kapka was going for three peat, um, fell up. Just a little bit short, finished second place by himself at 10 under. Xander, John Rahm, Ches Reeve, Justin Rose all tied for third at 7 under. Adam Scott, Louis Oosthuizen at 6. Henrik, Chesson Hadley, uh, Rory McIlroy rounded out the top 10 at 5 under. And then, you know, who I think we'll talk about a little bit here, Victor Hovland uh, finished 4 under. He was the amateur, was the number one amateur in the world uh, coming out of Oklahoma State, won the uh, – USAM actually at Pebble Beach last year. Um, I don't think he trailed in like one match while he was there. It was something crazy. Um, right. And he shot 400. And he was actually in contention, you know, Thursday, Friday, 
uh, you know, faltered a little bit Friday towards the end of the round and Saturday had a little bit of a slow round, but, uh, shot four under in his final round on Sunday. I, I, I think this guy's got a big game and a big future ahead of him, uh, was, was really excited. And he's actually turning pro along with Matt Wolf playing in his first event this week at the travelers up in, up in Connecticut. But, uh, Jake, what was, what were your thoughts on the, you know, this, this U S open? I, I mean, it was great. It was really, really good. I mean, controversy free. That's big. We, we talked previously about, you know, this kind of this turmoil between players and the USGA. Uh, we saw it in the, the golf.com um, or golf digest, rather golf digest article. And I think like it played out perfect, right? I mean, they had weather that prevented them from getting the golf course exactly where they wanted it to. It was a little bit soft on Thursday and Friday, and then it got a little firmer and a little bit more fiery on the weekend. And you saw guys, you know, struggling a little bit more on the, on the weekend rounds. Um, so I thought the golf course played great. And look, I, I, I think Pebble's amazing. I think it's a beautiful piece of property. I do think to some degree though, you see that it might be getting outpaced by how far these guys hit it. I mean, that they were, they were getting a lot, a lot of wedges, like a ton of wedges. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really, really good championship. The field, like the leaderboard alone should tell you how good the tournament was, right? If you look at that leaderboard, you had a lot of great names on it. You know, you had Kepka trying for three P you had Rose who was piecing his game together and somehow was in the final group. You know, you eventually have Woodland as the winner who is, I mean, more than deserving top, you know, what 25 in the world plays good all year wins here and there. Um, <clears throat> so overall, yeah, I thought it was great. I really did. I enjoyed it. I watched pretty much every second of it this weekend, except for when I was playing golf. What about you, Vin? How did you feel about it? I know you didn't catch much of it, but I, I know that you kind of saw a little bit at the end. Uh, well, I, try, I tried watching as much of it as I could um, when I was working outside even. Um, yeah, I would take my phone. I would mount it on a metal, metal cabinet near me or whatever if I could listen to a few holes here and there. I tried catching most of the Tigers around. Um, the goat, just because it's exciting for television. Period, and and they were showing some some other good groups on the featured on on the app on the featured uh, featured things. I I really enjoyed watching that kid from Stanford play. Um, woo! Tell you what, I think he's pretty good too. He can the play. Woo! Yeah. Um, Wait, my, look, here's my, here's my, my overall that thoughts. That amateur field is ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my overall thoughts. I thought it was it was good to watch. Um, and I say that in a way where there wasn't anything too exciting occurring for a majority of the tournament. Um, I didn't get to watch Gary Woodlands around, sadly. But I just I thought it was a typical USG event. I mean, it wasn't sunny. The overcast. I thought the whole production, watching it on my cell phone in the field, didn't help. But it was it was just fine to me. Let's put it that way. I I can't express if I was overly interested in in how things turned out. Okay. I completely disagree with everything Vince just said. I thought it was an awesome event. I thought that um, obviously Brooks is going for three in a row. He kind of you know he played just so so Thursday Friday, and then when the weekend hit, he saw blood in the water. Um, you know, not oh, that I. Man. Not that I don't like Gary Woodland. I think he's a great um, player, and I think he's actually a little bit just like Brooks. He's, he's you know five or six years older, so he kind of started that trend a little bit where 
you know, the bigger athletes like Tiger that came into the game, um, hit the ball just a mile. They don't care if they're in the rough because they know it's farther than the, the shorter hitters and they're having a shorter iron in from the rough, so they don't care. Um, and and just seeing Brooks, I mean, he bo- birdied, what, four of the first five on Sunday. He should have – he left birdies out there on six and seven, and I think that those cost him the tournament in the long run. Um, but, you know, as much as I was rooting for Brooks, Gary just, you know, didn't, didn't falter, right? He had some incredible up and downs. I think on Saturday he had – a hole where he should have made double and he ended up chipping in from off the green from like 40 feet. Um, and so just some incredible short game from a guy who's not really known for that. You know, I think I know he's gotten better strokes gained around the green the last couple of years, but he's known as the guy who just bombs the ball. Right. And kind of like Rory, I guess when his, when his putter gets hot, he can win it. And everything was really going well for him this week. Um, I, I, I was listening, you know, to the Fox coverage and they were saying he's like, 120th in strokes gain from, you know, from the fairway and then around the green, but he was number one this week and that's all that matters. And that's, you know, so true. I was just like, these guys are all so good. They can all win any week. And, and Gary put it together and I, and I was glad to, to see him win. He's a, he looks like a stand up guy. I know he's done a lot for charity and, and for the armed forces. So, uh, you know, a great win all around. Uh, I agree with what Jake, what you said on the, on the USGA, they, they let the players play. They didn't get in the way, um, which was, was fantastic. Um, I, I was a little bit disappointed, though, in uh, in the Fox coverage. I thought that the women's tournament was covered a little bit better than the men's. Um, and the women's, they had no commercials, really, on the final day, where the men was only the last hour, and it only ended up being, like, the last two holes or so um, of coverage. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. Um, I think that... You know, they do a good job with, uh, obviously, Joe Buck and all those guys and and, and Azinger. I think they have a great cast, and they, they know a lot about the game, and they do a much better job than I think than the CBS and, and NBC crews do on a week-in, week-out basis. But I was a little bit disappointed on that that regard that the, the coverage wasn't as good as I, as I thought it could have been. Um, and then, you know, where I'm always going to nitpick, but I, I, I know that Gary and Brooks were kind of the show, but there was always – there was also, like – 30 other great players that were, you know, within six shots and they really didn't show that many, that many other players, which I would like to see some of these guys in the majors, um, you know, playing a little bit. So, uh, that was kind of my two cents. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely now we're, now we're moving forward to right. So travelers championships this week and then the, the opens in three weeks. So, uh, with this new schedule, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's, I agree. I, the, I can't believe we're almost at the end of major season. I, I had a couple of, um, you know, just like takeaways for observation and, and a little bit on the coverage too, at least for mine. So I think you bring up an interesting point. For, uh, I'll start with the coverage. I, I think that um, you're like, you're right. The women's U.S. Open um, was, the coverage was amazing. And it was cool that they did this whole like, you know, really no commercials thing and all that. But we even said it on the pod. We knew that that wasn't going to happen for the men's game. The TV contract is so big. The advertising money is so important. Um, and I think that the first two days were, or, or sorry, first three days were covered really well. And then it got weird on Sunday because um, they came on the air with uh, a couple groups that truly didn't matter. So that first like hour of coverage had a ton of, you know, like set pieces where they would show off something about the course or do some kind of interview. And 
actually some of those pieces were used earlier in the week. If you were watching some of the streaming coverage or if you were watching on FS1 early on um, on Thursday and Friday. So they were like reusing some stuff. So I did think Sunday kind of played out a little bit weird. And it's all I also kind of think that um, the the booth with Bacon and Brad Faxon is kind of better than the booth with Joe Buck and Paul Easinger. So we got, you know, we get into the afternoon late and of course they're going to go to their two big commentators, but I like their B team a little bit better. So I like, but I, I, I think I like Azinger. I just, I don't like Buck. And I think I've said that before. I really like Azinger. I I don't like Buck. Yeah. I thought that the, uh, some of the stuff that they did, you know, showing the, showing off some of the slopes at Pebble, um, using the drones really creatively, um, the freaking elevated tracer that they had going on six, that just, that got me hard. Like that was so sick. Um, so I, I like the coverage. I'll tell you what though, this was my, this is my like actual big takeaway. And you and I were kind of texting during it cause Vince was still kind of traveling and hadn't gotten home yet. But, um, those first four holes that Brooks played, I had like straight up tiger vibes. Like I was sitting there on my couch, like, holy shit this dude's about to do it like he he's gonna come out here he's gonna shoot seven under and he's just gonna take this thing and it's gonna be over and we're all gonna sit here the next day and go uh, well what the hell like who is this guy like is this the next one and it's weird because he didn't win and yet i still feel that way i think like, so too. he did not putt well i looked at the putting stats he didn't he did not gain strokes putting so he was losing strokes to the field putting i think two of the days um and he still was right there I, that that tells you something and and you you actually called the shot that i think killed his round um which was that bunker shot on six because it wasn't a hard bunker shot and he couldn't get up and down uh left a birdie you know on the table there which i mean that par five was basically a par four all week for most of the guys well especially um, for him because he only had like a he had like four or five iron into the green he missed i it. know I know. Well, missing the green, I didn't think that, that's that's an awkward shot. I agree. I mean, yep. it's so you know, it's blind. You you barely know where you're going. So missing the green isn't a killer there, but when you're hitting whatever, either driving iron or three wood off the tee, whatever he hit, and then getting up there and, and being, he was on the right side. You know, he had the slope to work with, and he had room, and you know, kind of he didn't really do much out of the bunker, and that kind of derailed his momentum a little bit. Um, and, and then, you know, the bogey day didn't help, but really making par there was a lot like making bogey. So, um, but yeah, and then you can't, you can't talk enough about the stones on Woodland. I know everybody's going to talk about the shot on 14, which was just, I mean, that was freakish. That just shows you how much power that dude has in reserve too, because no one was going for that. He was the only one like that got it there all day. Um, that was a great shot. I mean, lucky bounce, but you need those to win the tournament. Well, yeah, I mean, lucky bounce. He had to, he had to cover it, you know, and he did. He had to cover the bunker. He, right. He he had been hitting, you know, his trusty fade all day, and you just see what kind of skill that guy has in terms of trajectory and being able to work the ball. That's why tr- the tracer on him was really great because you did get to see him hit a variety of shots, especially coming in. I mean, he was hitting stingers and. You know, low cuts and all. Oh, dude, how shit. about that stinger though? That tracer on that stinger is that, oh, like sex, chills. better than sex. Chills. Um, yeah, so it, it was great. It was really. I mean, I couldn't have asked for more. Brooks winning would have been the only more, but it it really was great. I think that 
I agree. I think that would have been phenomenal. And, and I think Brooks is the next tiger. Um, he's great, great for the game. Um, and I think that we're going to see a lot of him here in the next couple of years contending for majors. And, and I think I changed my, my sentiment a little bit. I know we spoke about this a couple of episodes ago, but I think he gets to 10 now. And, and, you know, I don't think he gets to 15 or 18, whatever tiger ends up being at or, or Jack's record now. And, but I think that he could easily get to 10 or 12 just because he contends basically in every major now. And, and he, he's just there and his game's in the right spot and he is the big game hunter. Um, so I think, I think all in all, the game of golf is in a great, great position because, you know, there are lots of guys that can win it now, which is awesome. There's a lot of uh, parity in the field. Um, as, you know, unlike when Tiger was dominating, there was really only four or five guys that could win it every week. So uh, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I had a couple things. So I don't know if anybody was following, but this Chip McDaniel guy, who, oh. um, who I don't know if a lot of people know about him, but he's kind of a, a journeyman on the, on the tour. Uh, plays a lot of mini tour events, plays a lot of, you know, web.com stuff. He qualified for the U S open through one of the sectional qualifiers, made the cut on the number. Then on Sunday flew straight from the U S open, uh, to Hartford, Connecticut or uh, Cromwell, Connecticut, sorry, where the travelers is this week, found a caddy on, uh, like Google or online got in the Connecticut 3 a.m., teed off at 8 a.m. the next day and won the, or, and won the Monday qualifier, won one of the spots to get into the Travelers this week. So unbelievable, like, whatever that is, five or six days for him. Uh, and now he's trying to, to make enough money where he has some status on the tour. But it's just crazy some of the grinding that these guys have. I mean, he's Monday queued into everything. Yeah, that's what they were saying. And I, I and I've never really heard of him too much. I And they were talking about him and then, I was listening to the golf uh, radio this morning on the way to work, and yeah, he's got a crazy story. Agreed. Um, I th- yeah, I think you know you bring up a lot of these guys that get in from sectionals. It's like a great story. Um, I mean, Hovland showing was crazy to me too because this dude is like you know um, you know he's playing with DJ on Sunday. He doesn't seem to back down. He playing. He's with Brooks the first couple of days. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, these these kids are coming out ready. Oh. You know, the, the Web.com tour is stacked. That's like a guy like Chip McDaniel, like having the Monday queue constantly is a product of how good right. this young crop has gotten, you know? It's it's unbelievable. I think, like I said, I think the golf's in a great position right now. There's so many great players. Um, but I think that we do need that guy who kind of dominates – every year. And I think Brooks is going to be that guy. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I don't, uh, have anything else. I don't think on the U S open, any, any other thoughts from, from, from both of you guys, Vinny, you thinking about hot dogs over there or what, uh, what's <laughs> no, going on? No, man, I was, I was kind of doing some light reading on, uh, on, you know, on Hovland, you know, taking such an incredible accolade off of, uh, off of Jack this past week out at nonetheless, Pebble beach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we didn't we talked about him but we didn't mention that you know him being low am at four under also broke jack's record for the lowest you know total score by an amateur in a u.s open that's right um yeah which is just incredible i i didn't think the conditions were easy even though they said that he has played more rounds out there than a majority of or than all the amateurs and a majority of some of the players 
because uh, he's played, you know, all all the USAM events uh, out there. So he's had a lot of experience on the field, but still to go out there and break that record and and not even know or claim to not even know, you know, I thought was pretty incredible. I'm lo- really looking yeah. forward to see what he does in the next like two or three weeks. I mean, if if he comes out and shows that he can score, or same with Wolf, I think this week will be a really good time to show if they can if they can really hang. Um, that, that's it. I, me, I, I was uh, more explore, more excited about what's for the future after seeing some of these people play this week. I totally agree. Let me um, before we get off the U.S. Open. Um, let, let me ask two quick questions. First question: um, Did did the scoring bother you guys? Because you know this is always a controversy. I, I was on Twitter a lot this weekend, Instagram too, and there were like a lot of people sort of like shitting all over the idea of sort of where the scoring was. Did, did it bother you or Woodland to win you know, in double double digits under? I mean, the only reason it bothered me is because he broke Tiger's scoring record at Pebble, but uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think so. I mean, I think that the course was set up fairly, as we, we've already said. Um, you know, they narrowed the fairways, and they had, uh, what was it, the, the whatever, the weird weather thing come in so marine layer. The yeah the marine layer. layer there you go marine layer came in and sat over so there was a lot of things that you know they were just out of their control um and they made the course uh you know they didn't make it too hard where we had obviously issues like balls rolling off the green or whatnot but once they got to the weekend the you know the greens firmed up fairways firmed up so it, it was definitely tougher on the weekend i mean we didn't see the six seven unders on the weekend like we saw in the first round or two with, you know, Rosie coming out the gate six under and then Woodland next day. So um, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. Um, I think, you know, there was, there was five or six players uh, when they teed off on Sunday morning that had a chance to win the tournament. Obviously Woodland had a four shot lead over most of them, but um, I mean, I'm fine with the the 13 under. I I do enjoy when they win, you know, one or two over, but I don't think we're going to see that anymore or at least not, not for a long time with the, the courses that are on the, on the docket. Yeah. I, I think that that's part of it too. It all, it just all depends on what courses they go to. You know, you don't, I think they showed with pebble, they showed the most important thing, which was restraint, right? They realized that they couldn't fight this sort of scoring war. If they got wind, the scores would have been mega high. Do you know what I mean? So, Yes, they didn't get the weather, but they also didn't trick the golf course up because of the weather to try to counteract it. They just let it play out, which I, I thought was um, the right move, and it proved to be like sort of the, the perfect um, recipe for competition, regardless of score. So I thought I thought that was really good. Um, my next question actually goes sort of to Gary Woodland, who you know we, we spent a little bit of time on, um, and I was just kind of thinking – What's what is this sort of um, takeaway for Gary Woodland from this? Is is this the beginning of you know a chance to win more majors in your mind, or is Gary Woodland like sort of like a a Jeff Ogilvie or a Danny Willett or uh, I don't know? I, I had another one in my brain who just speaking of Willett though, he's starting to play, he's starting to play a little golf here lately. He is. I saw that. I think he finished. Let me see. I got the leaderboard picked up here. I'm pretty sure he finished in the top 15. Yeah, he finished 12th. Uh, he's moved himself into the top 100 in the FedEx Cup, so he's starting to play a little bit. Um, 
I think, you know, I think Woodland obviously has the game. He won a major here. He's contended in a bunch of other events, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. He's been on tour for six or seven years now. Um, you know, is he going to win four majors? No. Will he win another one? I think he could. I mean, I think that his game, he played well at the Masters this year. So I think that his game is really, you know, Masters, U.S. Open, PGA. I don't think he wins in British, but um, I think we could see him win one more for sure. Um, if he wins two more majors, I'd be surprised. But who knows? I mean, all these guys are so good. That they just need that one week where they're pretty much their whole game comes together. So. Mm-hmm. I Vince, kind of agree. Anything with that. on that? I. Yeah. I think I think he'll he'll find something with his game after this where he'll he'll probably win a few PGA events. If he wins a major, it has to be at a course that plays into his advantage at least a little bit. Um I I didn't I honestly didn't think Pebble played into his game at, like at all other than the fact that he can control a low iron. Um So I'll maybe one more major. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I kind of agree with Vince. I think that because of the way the course was set up, or maybe I disagree with Vince, is because of the way the course was set up, he was able to pound like driving iron out there on a bunch of the holes. I mean, they were only hitting driver like four or five times every round. And, um, and I, I thought that that would set up better for some of the other players. But now that I'm thinking about it, you know, obviously the long bombers have a much more advantage there because they can still hit four iron you know two 250 240 um and i know jake you and i just discussed brooks pulled driving iron on 18 when he was only you know 230 or 225 and right i think both of us said wow he hits that tank 250 i don't know and he's juiced up here i don't know why he's hitting this he needs to be hitting five iron or something but um yeah i thought that uh you know i think going into the tournament i would have tended to agree with kind of what Vince was saying there but i think that because they only had it iron um, you know, the guys that have more length off the tee with the lot, with the irons had a more of an advantage. So, uh, he hits that low stinger really well. Everybody knows him for that. So he was splitting fairways and obviously that, that went a long way in helping him win. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, um, I mean, my take, I don't think he'll win another one only because, and, and maybe I could be completely wrong. I think that what allowed him to win this week more than anything was just a really super hot short game, right? Because right. you're you're exactly right. He got he can he can hit more driving irons. He doesn't have to hit driver a lot, even though driver is like a clear strength for him normally anyway. But um, every time I feel like every time he got himself in trouble, he got himself out of trouble. Like I, I I'm not saying I was rooting against the guy because I don't like to actively do that. But you know when I saw him on Saturday, I'm going, this is a double. And even when he kind of I'm trying to think. I'm going to blank on what hole it was now. It was, I think it was like 13 on Sunday. He kind of hits this like little hook off the tee, and he doesn't have a great lie. He's 190 out, and he manages to make a par there. And I'm just like, holy shit, this guy, this guy is not going to not make par. 17, right? That shot on 17 is ridiculous. That was unbelievable. So good. Under pressure on a lie that tight to hit it that close. Um, I mean, yep. it, was, it was crazy, you know, so I don't know if he'll win another one, but I also think a product of him winning this one was just that he seemingly couldn't miss uh, around the right. greens. He was getting up and down from everywhere. So that was and Rosie, Rosie was kind of the same way through about halfway through Saturday's round. He, yeah, that he, 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 all he had to do was get on the green. He made everything. It was ridiculous. So, 
Yeah, his body um, was unreal. Yeah. So, yeah, all in all, you know, fantastic tournament. Congratulations to Gary Woodland um, on his first major. Uh, I know his life's going to change forever now. So, and he, I, he's expecting twin girls. So, oh, well. good luck. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but with that, uh, we'll move a little bit into the Travelers Championship. Not too much talk on it this week. Uh, this has been, you know, I wouldn't say a flagship event on the PGA Tour, but it's, it's one that's been there for a long time uh, running. Um, it actually has a great field too. And a lot of people that, uh, play in it every year, I think because of their, uh, sponsorships, but, uh, Bubba Watson has won it three times. It's a stock par 70 course, uh, pretty short, actually. It's only 6,800 from the tips. So Vince could contend here. Um, whoa, yeah, right. it, uh, I, and what did I say? It's, uh, yeah, it's 30 yards longer than the shortest course on tour, which is Pebble beach. So, um, interesting, pretty, pretty, pretty weird there. They did tip it out more at the U S open, obviously. And then they turned the one par five into a par four, but, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I think they're, this is like the 18th year in a row they've been there. I don't quote me on that. I Bucky. can't remember where that stat went, but, um, I definitely did not know this course was that short. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Short course. So, uh, power rankings. We'll jump into those real quick. Paul Casey's number one. Uh, he's coming off a, a T2 there last year, lost in the playoff in 2015, uh, finished in the top 17 the, every time he's played there. Uh, Cantley number two, uh, big game hunter number three, Brooks Kapka, Bubba four. He's, like I said earlier, three-time winner. Uh, Spieth, uh, Jakey's boy, fifth. He's, man, he's played a lot of weeks in a row now. This is He has really played a ton in a row. Maybe he's just trying to... You know, get ready for the President's Cup. Um, Charlie Hoffman, number six. Francesco Molinari, Vinny's boy, number seven. Uh, Leishman, eight. Shreelman, nine. Justin Thomas, ten to round out, uh, you know, the top ten there. So, um, a really good field there. I mean, those are all guys in the top 30 in the world rankings. They also have Usti, Jason Day, Chez Reeve, Bryson DeChambeau, Snedeker. So, all guys in the top 30 in the world rankings. Um Great field also uh, to note. So, as we said earlier, Victor Hovland and Matt Wolf, both Oklahoma State boys, one and two uh, rankings in the uh, amateur ranks. Um, Hovland was the USAM champ, as we said, and and Wolf won the uh, NCAA individual champion by like 12 shots. Uh, It was like seven, but I'll exaggerate a little bit. Um, So, they're making their pro debut. Uh, I haven't actually seen Hovland. Did he commit to a club sponsor? I know that... Wolf went tailor made, but has anybody seen anything about Hovland? I thought he did. I, I don't remember who it was, but I'm pretty sure he signed a deal. Okay. Um, so I don't know too much about this event. This, I'm not going to say this is one that I've watched, uh, you know, in the last couple of years. I will watch it. I, I do enjoy watching golf. Um, and, and I'll try to, you know, uh, tune in on Sunday for the, um, for the final round, but, uh, you guys have any thoughts on it or you guys know anything about this course that I don't know? Um, I have some thoughts, not uh, look actually a really good field, not a really great course. TBC river highlands is like a whatever course I think. Um, but I think it's, it could be a very interesting weekend for a couple different reasons. The main one. And I think, I think we should, you know, we're going to make our picks just like we do every week. But I think we have five, um, or sorry, four of the top right, sort of, um, college players going pro this week. I think we should each take one of these horses for this week. 
and see uh, um, you know who the better finisher is. So you got the two that we talked about, Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland, but then you also have Justin Suh um, and Colin Morikawa. So all four, and both of Suh and Morikawa are also like very very highly ranked AMs that are going to be going pro. Um, so that's that I think will be the most interesting thing to look out for this weekend in a lot of ways. Interesting. Yeah, I so I think we do a, a pick in an amateur. Let's see who's, who's got the best total total net. So okay. <laughs> So I'll lead it off because I, I was going to take Hovland to win the tournament. Oh. Um, I've actually I laid money on Hovland. We, we, let's see. We, um, if sports betting was legal, I would have laid $200 on Victor Hovland to win 14000 I think. Um, and I actually threw $100 on Matt Wolf to win 10000 allegedly. Um, and <laughs> uh, just before I get off Hovland, I looked. So looks like at the Masters, Hovland had all tailor-made in the bag, the M5 driver, P750 irons. At the U.S. Open, he still had the M5 in the bag, but had uh, the new low-spin Ping G410 LST um, that ended up, he ended up using that the whole time. Um, And then he also had the Ping iBlade I210 irons. So, I don't know if he's dropping that. He's going Ping or not, but uh, looks like Old Havli uh, played well with him, so I don't know why he wouldn't, and that would be a big, big signing for 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 Ping. Um, I'm gonna go with my my other guy. I'm gonna go Ches Revi coming off a, a, a great top five finish at uh, <laughs> at the U.S. Open. Um, uh, why is that so funny? Ches Revi stat from the weekend. You, let, just, I'm gonna give you a quick Ches Revi stat from the weekend. Here on Saturday, he hit driver on 18. You want to take a guess how far he hit it? Uh, 255 205 <laughs> so he's a little Sunday, nervous on Sunday he hit driver do you want to know how far he hit it Two, 215 225 that was close Doug <laughs> so, hey, you think he's a little nervous there or what <laughs> you're pick, you know what though you're picking you're, you're picking with your brain you got a short course you got a short guy who hits it short and wears a really big hat so you got all that stuff. He does. He, that there. hat does make his body look that really small, doesn't it? Fucking huge, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so since 2012, he's got five, he's five for six with a pair of top 25s. So good my, that's my horse this week. Well, Hovland's gonna win it, but I'm gonna take Ruby just because we have to take somebody. So is so I'll let you have Hovland as your am. That's fine. Yep. All right, Vince, you want to go next? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm gonna yeah. take Morikawa as my amateur. You did. I wanted them. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't want Matt Wolf. I would gladly no, ahead, take Wolf. Ahead. I think I think he's gonna play great out there. He the may gank be, boy. He may be too long, but um, all right. So you're taking more cow for your yeah, am. Taking more cow for my am, and my winning pick is Mr. Oosthuizen. Ooh, Louis. Is that who you're taking? Yeah. Is that who you took in the pool too, Vinny? That is who I took in the pool too. Love it. Um, right. good stat from this weekend. He made. 61 out of 63 putts from 15 feet and in. Um, he was lights out. It's a short course. If he puts himself in those scenarios again, I think he's going to play great. He actually had All a right. chance to win the U.S. Open on the back nine, and he made a really bad double. He did. He did. And it's very unlike him because I feel like when he gets in spots where he has a chance, um, you don't see the blow up normally. He st- you know what I did realize, though? He stands very upright when he putts. He definitely does. Very upright. Reminds me a little bit of like almost Steve Stricker, right? He's upright. His arms are very straight. 
Um, there you got Jay. All right, here's my picks. So for my for my AM, since Vince took uh, Morikawa, I'm, I'll take Matt Wolf. Um, look, at this point, everybody knows Matt Wolf's story. I've been like following Matt Wolf for a while. The kid's going to be ridiculously good. They're, this AM crop could be one of the best of all time. So get excited for that. Um, but my pick, I'm going. I'm going to take Bubba for a bunch of different reasons. But one thing is that Bubba only plays well at golf courses that he likes. If he even yep. if he like walks in the bathroom and they have like the wrong type of air freshener, <laughs> he'll play like shit. If he like eats a hamburger there and it's too rare, he'll play like shit. So for whatever reason, he plays well at River Highlands. He's won there three times. He's won at uh, what Riviera three times. He's yep. won at Augusta twice. Augusta, yep. Right, and, and so I mean, just just look at his you know, record in Ryder Cups. When he's in, like, Kentucky or whatever, he plays so well, and then you send him abroad, and suddenly he's, like, sick, and he hates being there. So I don't even know why clearly, he plays in the British Open every year because he just finished his, like, dead last. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he didn't, you know, the other thing, too, about it, he didn't make the cut uh, at Pebble, so at least he'll kind of be rested. So I'm going to, I'll ride with Bubba this week. I could see him totally four-peating this and, getting his one win of the year and kind of falling back into mediocrity. <laughs> Acceptable. This is crazy. I'm yeah. looking at some, one of the PGA Tour writers' articles here, and they do their picks. And So Sean Martin, uh, one of the, the PGA writers, in his top six, Paul Casey, Hovland, Bubba, Matt Wolf, Brooks, Morikawa, and he has Hovland to win. Of course he does. Three out of six are amateurs. A sleeper for Morikawa and Matt Wolf to contend top five and Hovland. I'm telling you, dude. So, like, people, these guys people are recognizing are what's going on. These guys are studs. <clears throat> this group is so good. I hope they win because then we I can allegedly to. celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Get some new yeah, microphones. That would be channel. an alleged party right there. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, uh, anybody else got anything? What's, uh, what, what we got for the weekend? Jake, you playing? I will be. Pl- I'll be playing away from home this week, and I'm waiting to find oh, out exactly where we're going to be playing because we have. Um, we oh boy, Andrew guests. setting this up. No, no Adam. No, Adam. Adam I mean, we got. We got. So there's a member guest at the club, so we're going to have the club call around and get us on another club. We might be going back to my old home over at Burlington, but ru- rumor has it we might be getting on Riverton, which is a Donald Ross in my area that uh, um, I have never sports. played. So I'm very very pumped. To go Wait, out there and continue my. Why yeah. are you not playing in the uh, the member guest? Because all of my friends that play golf are members at my club, so <laughs> I don't have a guest to bring. Actually, <laughs> sorry, bud. I can find you one. Nah, it's good. I'm honestly the the member guest at my club is kind of crappy. It's just like it's handicapped, and you know what? I'm, let me rant for one second here. I'm sorry to add this, but Let's you brought it. this up. So today I go out there on my own um, to to play. I get to I get to my club at like two o'clock in the afternoon. There's no one there. The parking lot's empty. There's like four cars. I go into the pro shop and say, "Hey, I don't have a tee time. Can I get out? Go ahead. There's nobody on the golf course. I don't see a soul until like the ninth hole. I see a group leaving the ninth, going to the tenth. Um, as I'm coming off of uh, seven green. So I'm like, okay, I got some time. I'm not going to catch them. And I was playing two balls. 
So I get to 11. I get to 11T, and they're in the fairway on uh, 11. It's this group of three old dudes, and in front of them is another group of three old dudes. And they continued to grind me down. They would not let me pass. And then on, like, the 13th hole, the group of, one group of three caught the other group of three, and they played in as a six and would not let me pass. Now, I got a good round going on, right? So I'm, I'm keeping it together. Everything's good. Then they, there's a drivable par four, which I eagled this weekend. Shout out to me. Um, there's a drivable par four <laughs> on my course. It's the 16th hole. And these guys are on the green for, no joke, like a half an hour. So I find, they finally clear the green. I like block my driver into some trees and make a bogey. And I like just dropped an F-bomb, yelled it out loud, walked off the tee. Um, so my, my end of my rant is this. I don't wish ill on anyone, but I cannot wait for this group of baby boomers to be done playing golf. I want to play golf until I'm old. <laughs> I really do. But if these guys can't figure out how to play with some pace, I'm done with it. I don't care if my club collapses. I really don't because I cannot stand in, like someone being that inconsiderate. A single playing behind two groups of three, all I'm simply asking to do is for you to wave me forward right? so I don't have to drive it in your back pocket for the last three holes, which is what I did. And then I had to hear about it when I left the 18, but I, I didn't care. So that is, that is my quick rant. So this weekend, I will not be playing at my club. I will not be encountering those guys. I'm playing at somebody else's club, encountering their version of those guys. Nice. Well, um, I hope that um, those guys um, pick up their pace of play, to say it nicely. Um, yes. I will be uh, – Vince and I, are, I was going to take the weekend off with Vince. I, we're going to the lake. Adam, so graciously, our buddy Adam – Invited us up to uh, his wife's lake house, so we're going up there uh, Saturday, Sunday. But I just got invited. Uh, I'm going to play a late afternoon round, twilight round on Friday at Golf Club of Houston Ooh. with um, Thomas, Patty, and Zach. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's one of my favorite courses in Houston. It's where they used to play the Shell Houston Open. Um one of the, I think one of the great finishing holes is the the par four there across the lake. Um, one of my one of my yeah, favorite holes. Cool. So, uh, we're playing there on uh, on Friday afternoon. So, we'll uh, report back next week on uh, how it went. We'll see if I can find my golf swing. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, Doug's doing that. I think Sunday I'm just gonna I'm gonna get out to the range up the road here and practice for the Scalici Open. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna. Don't worry. We're gonna. Listeners, we're gonna have a we'll have a podcast. We'll get some video footage on the gram. I mean, the, the Scalici Open is a it's a big and important event every every year. I think, it's uh, huge. I think I think next week after Jake gets some planning done, we'll we'll talk about some of the courses that we're gonna play. Um, he's, he's got some exciting things. He's trying to book up and get us on some some pretty awesome courses in the Northeast. So Pine Valley. We're, 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 oh, <laughs> pull my string. Not that awesome. That one didn't happen. <laughs> I oh, love it. All right, guys. Well, um, we appreciate everybody coming on and listening to this podcast. I think it's episode eight. I can't believe it's been two months now. So uh, incredible run we've had. We've had some great guests. Uh, looking forward to the next, I don't know how many episodes we can get going until Jake falls death to these six old men playing in front of him. But uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Uh, Vinny, close us out, buddy. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for 
for stopping in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Breakfast Ball Pod. And if you're playing this weekend, don't forget to hit your breakfast ball. Thanks again. Later. Later.